If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine, and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. If you're kind of just joining in, what you're going to find is we're in the middle of our elk month series as we start to prepare for the season. I've been going through various tactics as the rut starts to change and looking at the tactics based on elk behavior from the beginning of September all the way through mid-October. So this week, we're going to look at that time when the rut starts to wind down and kind of look at more spot and stock tactics and maybe why this is your best bet for a big bull. Also, for those of you with a rifle or muzzleloader tag, many of these tactics are really going to apply to you as well. And many of these spot and stock tactics are also great for those of you with cow tags this season, as spot and stock is probably going to be your highest odds of success. But before we do that, I want to share the story of a bull that played his part and a hunter that didn't. So this hunt takes place a couple years back, and probably when I really think about it, one of my better days of elk hunting. Um, I, I happened to have a, a general tag in a particular area and I couldn't hunt it because I, I had other obligations and other tags. I had like the last two days of the season to hunt. It happened to be in Idaho. So I, I drove there and was like, well, you know, two days is better than no days. So I figured it was, it was late in the season and I'm going to be probably wanting to do more glassing because I figured, you know, elk are going to be rutting. The, the rut's going to be winding down. I want to try to pick my spot based on the kind of hunting that I can do for the time of year. So I, I kind of like pulled out my maps, looked at, okay, here's a good open area where I think there's going to be elk still. And I can kind of do a little bit of glassing. So I go there first day I, I got into some bulls, but it just, you know, nothing really connected. So I, I ended up changing areas completely because the elk were pretty quiet. There was a little bit of rutting activity, but I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else. So that next morning is my last day of hunt, last day of the season. I uh, I go to a spot and I start glassing and right off the bat, turn up a bull. I'm like, oh, perfect. This is this is awesome. This is going to work good. So I watch the bull and he goes into a patch of timber. So I decide, okay, I'm going to go up the mountain and kind of cut around and try to get eyes on him again, try to see where he beds and, and make a play. So as I'm moving up, I hear some bugles. I think, oh, that that's a good sign because what I found is sometimes what will happen late is you'll get bulls that are, you know, acting up. They're going to rut real hard. And then at some point, 
if, if there's bigger bulls, sometimes it's just more immature bulls, but sometimes there's a big bull in there and then he kind of pulls off and, and goes and does his own thing. So I, I put eyes on the elk and I realize, okay, there are some giant bulls in this herd. Uh, there's definitely elk that I want to chase right here. So I get the wind right, circle around and just watch what they're doing. I, I'm throwing out some calls, but they're pretty active amongst themselves. So I watch where they go and uh, from a distance and they pop over like they're in the open and they move to some timber and go over the ridge. So as soon as they do that, I make a beeline to where they went over. And as I'm going over, I'm, I'm letting out some calls and it's just like a late season rut fest is essentially what's going on right now. Um, there's a couple big bulls in the herd and a lot of other satellite elk. So it's just like a giant group elk. It's exactly what you want. Peak rut. And this happens to be a little bit later in the season. So I, I went right over the ridge. I'm bugling and I hear the bugles down below. And I kind of start moving in a little fast just because I, I want to try to catch up because I feel like, okay, they're going to go off to their bedding zone and I want to stick with these elk. And sure enough, I look up and out walks one of the biggest bulls in the group, like a 350 type bull. And he's just staring at me at 40 yards and unfortunately no shot. So he runs back with the group and then I end up like continuing to call. I, I called in two more bulls, but just no shots. And uh, so now at this point, the elk are kind of in a frenzy. They're moving up the mountain and they're just kind of like pushing. So I'm like, all right, I got to dog these elk. So I, I stay on them. I keep calling, I'm trying to figure out what they're doing. So they're definitely rutting and the elk are moving all around. It's just like a perfect day for elk hunting. And there's some giant bulls in this group. So I'm watching and I finally catch back up near the top of the mountain. And there's this little opening and I see a bigger bull than the one that I just got on. Like one of the biggest bulls I've probably had an opportunity to lay my eyes on in a general unit. And I'm watching him and the elk are all doing their thing. And I can tell it's like it was a long day for him. He's had a long rut and he walks off on his own into this thick patch. So I had already dropped down and he disappears for me. So I get up and I start, I call, I, I hear no calls and I, I look and I see him going up the mountain through this like one little opening. And it's like sparse, like, I guess it's like thickly sparsely timbered, you know, there's enough covering country and then it's open and it drops down into a big timbered ridge on the other side so i don't know whether the bull is gonna go up over the top pop down into that thick timber on the other side what he's gonna do but he's pulling away from the herd just kind of a classic late season big bull move and i think to myself this is my best chance to kill a giant bull because he's not with this big group elk anymore he's gonna bed He's going to bed by himself. I can sneak in, right? The, the elk is doing everything right. So I hustle up and try to get to the top. I mean, this entire time I've pretty much been running up the mountain. And so I, I hustle up to the top and try to get like where I can see if he went over. So I get to the top and I'm circling around, getting the wind right, thinking maybe I can cut him off as he goes to that big timber. And I just don't see him. I'm like, well, it's definitely possible that he could beat me to the top. That's for sure. Um, but then I'm thinking, okay, is he still in this pocket of timber? Did he bed here? Because if I can find him bedded, then game over. So I circle around and I just start picking apart the hillside. Like, okay, I'm just going to imagine that 
he did bed here or he bedded somewhere. So I'm just finding every area that I can look into on both sides of the mountain and just constantly just picking apart with my glass, picking apart, picking apart. And there's one trail, like there's so many elk tracks in there. I tried to stay on the trail, but it really like got convoluted and it just, it was kind of impossible to track him. So what I'm doing is I'm just like constantly changing my angle, looking into the, the shade. This is first thing in the morning. So I've got all day to glass. Just glassing in there, glassing in there. I cannot turn up the bull. He he ghosted me, right? So at this point, oh, I actually forgot to mention, I was my wife was with me, and she happened to be pregnant. So <laughs> I kind of like left her on the mountainside and, and bombed up after these elk. And uh, so I, I met back up with her. She hiked up to where I'd been glassing, and we were glassing together. And I'm like, okay, I, do, I just don't know. I'm thinking to myself, man, this bull, he like, he ghosted me. I'm thinking he could be in here. If I could just spot one piece of him, I guarantee I could kill this elk. Like the, the hillside that I was looking on, I'm thinking, ah, there's no way he's on this hillside because the wind's going up. Like it'd just be too easy to stalk him, right? He's got to be on the other side where the wind's going down and he's bedded in the timber. So I, I hike out, she's watching the hill. I go to the other side, look in all that timber, kind of still hunt around a little bit, thinking, man, maybe I could just figure out where he's at. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So I go back to the spot where I was like, I just had a feeling that he was in this zone. And I thought, well, maybe if I hike across the canyon the other side and look in, that would give me the one angle that I can't see. But it looked like I could see everything. And so I'm just sitting there waiting, like thinking maybe something will bugle in this evening and I'll get a different play. So I'm sitting there. And there's this one like bush that it's like more of a juniper bush. It's like the kind of the only thing that I couldn't really see behind on that hillside. And so I'm sitting there and uh, sure enough, that big bull gets up and walks out from that one spot that I couldn't see into. And my heart just sank. And it was like, he just got up and he beelined it for the thick timber. Um, I don't know if he's going for those other elk that were, they just gone out. They actually went into a different unit that I couldn't hunt. So uh, he'd got up and, and moved over and just started like beelining it toward that other area where the rest of the group had went. And that was like my best chance. You know, the bull did everything that he needed to do. And I just didn't do my part. I didn't check that one spot that he could have been on that hillside. And, you know, you, you never know, but I like to share those success stories. But also, this is one of those, I, I think, like, in my hunting career, there's probably a handful of days or hunting memory where I just feel like I didn't do it right. And I think about this day very often because it was the perfect setup, the thing that you kind of dream about finding, right? That big bull that goes off and beds on his own. And I feel like I, I worked really hard that day, but there was one thing that I didn't do. I didn't drop down and go to the other side of the canyon and look back into that one little pocket that I couldn't see, but I just, I felt like I walked past that pocket. I felt like he wasn't in that pocket. And I play this day over and over in my head because it's one of those things like I feel like, ah, I, I really looked over it good, but there was this kind of itch in me that said, and you didn't really look over it 100%. Like you 99.9% .9 you did, but that 0.1% was where that bull was hiding. And, you know, I kept playing that game in my mind. Oh, he could be here. He could be there. And because of that, I keep reliving this moment a lot, but it also taught me, you know, you're constantly learning out there. And I think that 
with that really good opportunity that late season, one of the things that I really love about late seasons, you get to find those bulls that give you those really good opportunities. And, you know, and since then, I've, uh, well, I was doing some guiding essentially the same time of year last year and had a similar scenario where it's like, okay, that we found a bull. He went into the timber, must have bedded. How, okay, just kind of really sticking with your gut, knowing that that bull is probably in there bedded. We just got to hunt it right. And ended up with the bull for the client. He actually missed it, but, um, you know, he got his opportunity. And so I think that there's a lot of those moments where you kind of learn from those mistakes as well. That time where that probably was my best opportunity at a big general area bull. And just by not really finding that elk when he probably could have been findable, that, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do my part. The bull did everything right and I did something wrong. I think the first thing that we have to do when we're understanding this kind of rut wind down is just look at the behavior and the few things that start to happen. So what ends up happening is you think about the rut and the, the bigger mature bulls are really running the show and they're running the show for a while. It takes a lot of energy. And so as that rut starts to wind down, you're going to find a couple of different scenarios. And what starts to happen is those big mature bulls start to get tired you know honestly most of the breeding is done and so what's going to happen is those big bulls are going to start to slip away now this can happen anywhere from the end of september through the end of october and so it goes through some archery season like montana's got um that archery season goes in the first couple weeks of october but also there's a lot of other hunts you know new mexico's got muzzleloader hunts rifle hunts some areas you know start their general rifle season so what you're going to do is you're going to find these elk that you might have a herd but there's just kind of younger bulls in that group they're staying with the herd because they're thinking hey maybe i'll get a chance to breed um also maybe they're just sticking with it for safety because that was their herd before and then what the older bulls are doing is they're kind of looking for solace they're just kind of um trying to recuperate after the rut and a few things are going to happen so depending on what's going on right you can have a scenario that i encountered where it was just a crazy rut fest but instead of that big bull kind of commanding the herd what he's going to do is he's going to slip away from the herd so he's really in that group during the high activity times and then he's just like all right i'll go catch up with them later he's going to pull away and go do his own thing maybe he got beat maybe he's just like ah, i'm gonna let these younger bulls take the sh take the reins for a little bit and i'm gonna pull away from the group and that's what's happening is these bigger bulls are, are pulling away from the group doesn't mean that they're fully divested from the groups at the first part but they are going to start pulling away from the groups more and more until they're pretty much um i would say like by the end of october completely on their own so that's one thing to think about is just that dynamic of the behavior of what those mature bulls are doing now another behavior that you could also kind of look at is that the younger bulls are kind of the ones that don't really know what's going on are now kind of trying to think that they've got the herd so it can also be a really good opportunity to target those younger bulls where the herd bull might not be as big as he would have been two three weeks prior but you're still finding elk that are, are being active and maybe a little more receptible to calls or you know just having those elk where you can sneak in now Let's look at a little bit of the advantages and disadvantages of this time. So the advantage is when a bull pulls off alone, one, he's a little more off guard, and two, it's a lot easier to put a stock on him. 
Now, there's another advantage that you can catch a little bit later in the season or sometimes just as that rut starts to wind down, and I call it a feed pattern. So what will happen is the bulls that worked really hard, they need to recoup. They haven't been eating right. They've been running. They've been going crazy. And so they're going to get into this habit where they're they're kind of moving less and feeding more. So they're, they're out, they're feeding, they're trying to bulk back up. And then they're also in a smaller home range. So the bulls are going to be traveling a lot less. They're going to be maybe where that core herd was, but they aren't going to be going super far from bedding food and cover. They're going to have this little home range. And if, if other elk get into that zone, maybe they'll do a little bit of redding activity, but they're just trying to re-catch up and, and almost starting to think to, of preparing for the winter, depending on when the activity is right so um, one thing you got to think about all these stages it's not necessarily a timing issue but more of depending on how that rut happened where you're at and it can be different when you're in like say southern new mexico and then northern montana it'll be different times different weather patterns different kind of seasons so we're just trying to look at the behavior that's going on right so we're looking at okay is the rut winding down what are the big bulls doing and then are they starting to pull away and are they to the point yet where they're entering those feed patterns now some of the disadvantages of kind of late later in the rut is elk especially if you're looking for a bigger bull can be harder to find because you know they they aren't with those big groups sometimes also there's a lot less vocalization so you might hear fewer bugles maybe those big bulls aren't even going to bugle and then you're just going to see fewer big bulls in the herd Um, it's not always the case but generally as it really starts to wind down that's what happens so we're going to jump into the tactics here and i just broke it down into the steps that i think about taking when it comes to chasing late season bulls now one thing that i think about when i think about hunting late season elk and for me a lot of my personal elk hunting has been either early or late because during the guiding we did a lot of the guiding you know it's like think about focusing on those really peak rut bulls that's the bread and butter of elk guiding is like the peak rut that's when you've got the most guys in camp because that's when everyone wants to hunt and when i started the series i was talking about really diving into each week of the season or like each stage of the rut because over the years i found that you know we still guided from the beginning to the end and we had the same amount of success pretty much every week because we really you know honed in on the behaviors for that time and for that week and each week has its own pluses and minuses and so if you focus on those advantages and disadvantages you can kind of start to build a hunt plan that helps you find success and i think one thing for people listening is a lot of the question that gets asked when should i go hunting and really matching the tactics to the time is a really good way to hunt because if you're a guy that's like hey you know i like the idea of calling but um, to be honest actually as somebody that that's my preferred style of elk hunting is calling um, it takes a long time to get good at it to to really figure it out to to really be successful with it so if you're just like i'm just coming out and i I don't have a lot of experience calling maybe glassing and spot and stock is going to be your best strategy and it's probably the best strategy for finding those big bulls and one thing that i really liked about it when i'm hunting for myself or whatever is is it's the best time to really target those mature bulls because they're the most vulnerable so the first step is if we called it step one i would say the first step 
late season post rut is picking the country. So you want to find the terrain that matches the type of tactic that you're going to use. Early in the season when they're rutting, I gravitate toward that thick country where they're vocal. If they aren't going to be as vocal, then I'm going to find terrain in the unit that I'm hunting that's glassable. So I'm going to be looking for those burns, maybe those sages, maybe that more open country, areas with a lot of south faces, and then kind of like that north face cover. Uh, so just like some good food areas. And then I'm also going to be thinking about, okay, maybe some more open areas where elk are, if they're going to be pulled away from the group feeding, where they can kind of bulk up and then have that safety and security as well. And areas where I can glass into that and think where the elk think that they're more hidden in many ways, where it's like that, that pinion juniper country that the, where there's like some chainings and some other things, some openings where they've got that area that I can glass, but also the area of cover. So I'm going to really f- kind of pick my terrain based on my style of hunting, which will kind of start to move toward glassing elk. Now, another thing to think about is pinpointing those glassing points and just areas where I can look over a lot of country, let my eyes do a lot of the walking where I can pick a vantage. Okay, here's a good knob. I'll actually just pull out my go hunt map. I'll throw it in 3D mode and find like, okay, here's some more open country. Here's a burn. Here's this, here's that. And then here's a knob where I can look over five, six miles of it. Even just like from a lot of times this time of year, I might even hunt the mountain from the base where I can get away from the mountain and uh, set up some, you know, high power optics, maybe, you know, spotting scope, high power binoculars, and really pick it apart. A lot of the areas that I hunt in Nevada, where it's a little more open country, I might set myself five miles away from the mountain this time of year, and really just like sit there, literally just sit in a chair, or on wherever, you know, just get comfortable with my optics, and just pick apart the mountain. Really like, dive in with the optics and just cover a lot of country because there's a lot of country that's not going to have the elk. So the more you can see, the more likely you are to turn up a bull. Now, step two is going to be just gauging that activity. What stage of this post rut are they at, right? Are they completely turned off? If so, then we're going to know, okay, we might catch those bulls more in that, those big bulls, especially in that feed pattern, or are they in and out of the herd like that story? So there's, there's two versions of that post rut where the bulls are kind of like, they're, they're sticking close to those groups. They're going in when the activity ramps up. They're like, okay, I'm going to take a few wins here, but then I'm going to slip back away. And that's, I actually really like when I hit that. So it's kind of like not peak rut, but it's just starting to tail into that post rut and not like too far after the post rut where the bulls completely pulled away. And the reason that I like that is it makes it easier to find the elk because it's, it's a big group. And the one way to gauge that is just as you're, you know, I'm still using those glassing strategies and saying like, okay, but here's a herd. And then what's in that herd? Is there some good bulls in that group? And then as I find that group later, it's like generally what you're going to find is, no, the bulls aren't with those cows. What are they doing? They're pulling away. They're starting to get more detached. They're starting to go into that more post rut. Now, if I know that the activity is, you know, I'm seeing groups of elk, but it's a lot of cows, spikes, and then just a few little raghorns, almost like you might find toward the end of October where it's just like, eh, those little bulls don't know what they're doing and they're hanging out with the cows for safety. You know, it can be like, if that's what you're looking for, you're just like, hey, I'm just looking to find a bull. That's a great way to find a bull. And those elk can actually be a little more susceptible to some tricks because 
they just haven't been around the block as much. But if you're like, I really want to focus on a, a herd bull or a big bull, now you know, okay, well, I've got to look for single bulls that are going to be kind of off on their own in these little basins and pockets where they've got food, water, and cover real close by. They don't have to move a lot, and they might even be in those feed patterns. So now I'm going to start really focusing that glass on that good feed, some good grass um, openings like meadows, uh, south-facing slopes, even areas in the timber that start to open up or, or have been opened up, clear cuts, chainings, burns, those kind of things where it's like, hey, they've got good graze and they can just start to bulk back up. Now I'm going to focus in on those areas. So I really have to first gauge the activity and say, what stage of the post rut is this? Now step three, we're just going to really uh, focus on our glassing vantages and then those pockets of isolation that are also near the herds but off the groups if that makes sense so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to get to glassing and let's say we're glassing and we locate a herd of elk and we go okay there's a group because it's a lot easier to spot multiple cows and we're going to say okay out of this herd right where's kind of a pocket that maybe people aren't looking maybe it's a little bit more difficult to get to but still within range of where the elk were hanging out because i found that a lot of times those big bulls don't pull away it's not like they're they're hiking miles, like migrating to back up to their summer range, which sometimes they might do. But for the most part, they're just kind of pulling off from the herd and picking like a really good isolated pocket. So I actually will, once I find elk, also pull out my maps again and just say like, okay, here's a pocket that's kind of difficult to get into. People probably aren't going to bump them. Um, you know, that herd maybe is, you know, if there's other hunters around drawing attention, but here's a kind of a close by area that I can kind of look in here for those bulls that have pulled away from the group. And then I think I kind of outlined, you know, step four that we talked about. Okay, now let's look at those isolated food sources as well. When I'm sitting there glassing, um, looking in for those elk that might be hitting those feed patterns. And so those isolated food sources are just those places that it's super easy for a bull to feed and then kind of disappear. And what that means is he's got enough graze around, which is going to be grass this time of year. You know, elk are primarily grazers, so they really do like that grass. So those high-protein grasses. And sometimes they will go up higher on the mountain where they can get some more of that fescue and other really high, I guess I'd call it like high-protein, high-nutrient grasses, but also duck out. Um, there's a little bit more water there. And, and then there's also, there's kind of always going to be cover around a lot of that. I've actually seen bulls in that more open sage country, just go bed out in just that tall sage. So don't overlook some of that, I guess I would call it like random open bedding areas. Uh, just those pockets where it's like, hey, they can get comfortable and be close to that food and feed source and just be out of the way. There's many times where those places that seem to be the most overlooked are where those bulls disappear to. Some of the biggest bulls I've seen late season are bedded out like near what you'd consider nearly in the open it's like here's a, a feed spot up oh, this part of the hill is shaded and you're looking you know picking apart the timber and here they are just bedded out in stuff that's almost as tall as they are uh, so definitely don't overlook that now step five is just going to be once you've found an elk right there if you're looking at those feed sources the the feed patterns generally it's the mornings and the evenings so i think that like late season post rut elk when i'm trying to get a bull by himself 
the action or the stalking portion is going to happen in the middle of the day, but the finding is in the morning. The mornings are going to be your best bet for success because what you're doing is you're trying to find a bull, figure out where he goes, and then put that bull to bed. If you can bed a bull, generally you can kill a bull. Um, bull elk are they're when they're by themselves are probably one of the more uh, easy animals to sneak on as long as you've got good wind uh, because the sound doesn't really bother them as much they're uh, a bigger animal so you can often find like where they're at they they just don't pay as much attention when they're bedded like a mule deer would so when it comes i guess i'm comparing them to mule deer but when i find a bedded bull elk i kind of think to myself game on like this is as sure of a deal as you're going to get when it comes to elk hunting because he's in a good position for you to make a play and so what i like to do is my hunt starts it, it just the trouble is it limits your amount of hunt time right but or your success time but the key is to find a bull in the morning watch him put that bull to bed now if you don't have one that you've put to bed then i do the same thing i do when i'm hunting early season mule deer with a bow I go and I glass into bedding zones, areas that I feel like are good bedding, and I try to find that bedded bull because um, that's going to be your best chance of success. Then what I do when, I, when it comes to sneaking in, I let those thermals stabilize, and I try to like gauge where that bull is bedded. Is he going to be shaded for enough time for him to stay there? So if it's like first thing in the morning and you go, oh, man, like the sun moves a lot, but it starts to stabilize in the middle of the day. So once it hits like, you know, he rises in the east, sets in the west, think about the pattern of the sun and then how that shade's going to move where you see that bull. And that's going to help you determine how long that bull is going to be in that position. Then those, those thermals start to really stabilize around that. Mm, depends on how hot it is. If it's hot early in the morning, like 10, but if it's not as hot, m like midday, 11 to one seems to be that like good stabilization time where the thermals are kicking up. So you're going to get more consistent wind. Plus it's just ripping your scent into the air. And hopefully, you know, the, sh the shadows are going to kind of be a little bit more consistent before that uh, sun kind of passes that threshold where it starts to really change the shadow. So that's just something that I think about before I stock in. And then as you stock in, standard stalking technique, um, you know, being quiet, moving in, you know, you got to get your sneak on. So step six would be just, just making that play, making that move. So plan out your stock. Well, uh, from my vantage where I've spotted the elk, I like to always take a picture or drop a pin where it, well, I try to do both. I'll drop a pin where the animal is and then also kind of take a picture from my glassing vantage. So I know, okay, here's how I'm going to go in. Then I'll use my range finder, range where the bull is, where I'm planning on stalking to, because that's the key is, is having a place to stalk to know, okay, this is within range. You know, am I going to be able to use things to block his eye and other things? And then I just crawl in and, and make that move. Now, I would say the final option is if, you, if you're in an area where it's very difficult, you're like, I am not finding elk bedded or there's just too much cover, right? Like a bull goes in and he's like, well, he's in the timber. What do I do? I can't figure out where he's bedded. Then still hunting the timber is a really good tactic this time of year. And I try to pick those areas where, you know, it's an ideal elk bed. And an ideal elk bed is going to be something where – it kind of benches out and is a little bit flatter, especially for those bigger bulls. They like those areas where it's like they can get cozy, they can get comfortable. And probably the wind's going to be coming from down their back so they can be facing kind of downhill. But 
you know, uh, the thing about a mature bull elk that differs a little bit from a mule deer is they don't mind finding those flat spots and then they'll rearrange themselves to face whichever way the wind is not going. So the wind will be blowing one way, they'll let their back cover the wind and then they're going to rebed on those flat areas looking in those different directions. Uh, elk are used to bedding in herds. So they're used to having multiple lookouts. And that's one of the reasons that I feel like bull elk are, are a lot easier to sneak on is when, they, when they're by themselves, their, their whole rest of their life is spent as a group, whether they're a bachelor group or whether they're with cows, they're used to a lot of lookouts. So when they're by themselves, it's not that, I mean, they're going to be a little more on guard, but they're also kind of have this habit of other animals are looking out for me. And when they slip away this time of year, this is the one time of year where they're by themselves. So they aren't as, um, I guess they aren't as set up as they are other times of year because they don't have those lookouts with them. So one thing that I will do is I'll, is I'll still hunt. And when I'm still hunting, I'm just moving in through those potential bedding areas. And another thing that I do a lot when I'm still hunting this time of year is I still will do what I call moving cow calls. So as I'm moving, maybe I snap a twig, maybe I break a branch. I'll ew, ew, ew. And then just keep walking. Ew, ew, ew. Cow calling. Now there's a few, my, here's a couple thoughts on that, right? One is if you're cow calling, you're giving away your position. So you're you're allowing the bull to know where you're at. But another thing is um, you're just kind of putting a bull at ease like, oh, it's just a cow. I've had bulls respond to that. I've also had bulls get up out of their bed when I'm doing that and I'm able to spot them, then get down and make a play. Because uh, when they're bedded, sometimes it's difficult to see them. So as I still hunt I, or bush stock, I, I walk through, I'm glad, I'm using my binoculars constantly and just scrolling that focus, looking close and far, just trying to pick up a piece of an elk and even a piece of an elk that's bedded. Then throwing out those calls, hopefully it, you know, puts a, a bull to ease if he hears something. Uh, and oftentimes it might m make them stand up where they're a little bit easier to see, or even just call a bull to your location. Just because they're kind of done with the rut doesn't mean that if a few lonely cows are walking through, you won't want to check it out. Actually, a few years back, I was doing the same exact tactic, kind of cruising up past this little wallow spot, you you doing that thing, and here comes big six-point bull up out of his bed, walking in silent, and I just got down, and he just walked right into 20 yards. So it's definitely a really good tactic to do in that thicker country where, you know, you might not be finding bulls that you can put to bed for the stock. I hope you guys have been liking this elk series. I think that it's going to really help people get prepared and at least just start thinking about different tactics because one thing when you're out there elk hunting, you really just have to kind of gauge the temperament of what's going on when you're there. So it's not always so cut and dry as, oh, this time, this week is peak elk week, elk rut, right? Or, you know, sometimes you might find being one part of the unit and the bulls are going crazy and going to another and it's like the bulls have pulled away. So you want to be flexible. You want to have some different plans for the different stages of the elk that you're going to encounter. And one way that I do that a lot is just having that hunt plan before. I, I use my go on maps. I, I've got a lot of pins and different plans. And even when I'm planning a hunt, it's like, okay, I'm going to say, okay, if the elk are like really vocal, then here's some areas that I can focus on. If they aren't super vocal, here's my backup plan. Here's my good glassing strategy. Here's my glassing points before I even enter the field. And then even when I'm in the field, there's so many times where I've had to make those adjustments and say, okay, 
ah, man, I am not finding what I'm looking for. I got to go for a glassing vantage or man, I'm glassing, but kind of like I've got to do the opposite. I'm not finding elk where I'm at. So I've got to make a move. So that's just something to think about when you're, when you're going and thinking about elk hunting now it's, it's August, right? We're thinking about transferring this into the September season and you just don't know what you're going to encounter where you're going to encounter it but having all the ideas of this is some things to look out for and then these are the kind of tactics to employ is going to really help you find that success so next week we're going to kind of really dive in as it'll be the beginning of September and we're just going to look at a few other tactics you know if you if you don't have one of the things our podcast partners is go hunt and I talk about them a lot because I use their product a lot so i always like to give you guys the opportunity to get a little bit of a discount if you want we've got the live wild or you can just use code remy and you can use it for their explorer membership which is just their mapping software but i really think that the benefit to go hunt and one of the reasons that i personally use go hunt is because of the insider and so what that is it's it's always good to explain because it's something that i i mean the partners that i have on this podcast are all the things that i really use for the success that I have, right? And the thing that I like about Insider is it's kind of that whole hunt solution. So it starts with planning out the hunt and finding tags because that's one of becoming very difficult now is to actually get the tags. So it, it lets me know, okay, here's some ideas of places to look for during the draw. I can I can filter through things and, and look for, maybe I've got, you know, match my points to the unit and the type of hunt that I want. So it's really built on that hunt planning. And that's one of the things that drew me to go hunt in the first place was it's not just a service that tells you where to apply, but allows you to see kind of match what your current situation is and what you're looking for, and then find those tags, not just for elk, but for everything. And then, you know, the values there, because it also, you get the maps for free includes all 50 states and has all the hunting features and so that's kind of just an, a value add to that plus um, they've got their store so when you buy gear they don't it's like they can essentially sell gear cheaper than anywhere else because you get points back in buying gear so when you buy something you get points and then those points translate to more gear so it's a really cool hunting solution i think it's like an all-in-one kind of um, from hunt planning through gearing up through prep and then in the field and that's one of the reasons that i really enjoy working with them so if you guys want you can use code live wild or code remy um, with that and so next week we're going to be just looking at more hunting scenarios and what i wanted to do is I, I broke down 10 scenarios that you're most likely going to encounter and generally these are scenarios that like aren't good like what happens if the elk are, are silent what are they're bugling all night but they aren't active during the day and then so what i did did is i i broke down we're going to break down those scenarios and then how to proceed so i'm just going to outline those 10 big scenarios that a lot of people struggle with when chasing elk and then what to do in that scenario also next thursday uh, it's going to be september 1st we're going to do a live call-in show those are some of my favorites so stay posted you make sure to check my instagram social media and then that way you can see how to call in the way it works is you know a, a certain amount of people can call in while you're on the call you can actually listen to everybody's questions and stuff and then i jump on our call and then one lucky caller is gonna have a pretty solid prize next week i'm excited about that so uh thank you guys so much if you've been enjoying this you know feel free to share on social media um, i'd love to reshare some of that and also one thing that i'm really excited about as we start to go into the season share with me your success stories tag me in your stuff um you know, if you do a story or a post tag me in it i'd love to see it and, and i'd love to share some of that as well so until next week glass up some bulls boys and girls 
you guys later.